A lot of talk about love, but like, like brotherly love. Good, solid, brotherly love. How about we talk about the bad kind uh, where love gets distorted because we're in our Seven Deadly Sins series, and today, uh, we, well, two weeks ago we started with pride, and then uh, I think we talked about greed last week. I don't know, it was a long time ago. And today we get to the sermon that you've all been waiting for. No, it's not gluttony. We would not do that to you. We would not talk about gluttony right before you have Thanksgiving dinner. We are not that cruel. We are not that mean. We are, we're, we're gracious people. We're going to talk about gluttony after you've had your turkey. That'll be next week. So come back next week to find out what you did wrong this week. But today, we're talking about one of the easiest one on here to talk about. We're going to talk about lust today. Lust. I, I want to I start with a definition of lust. Lust is an intense or unbridled sexual desire. Now, some of you might say, well, wait a second. That doesn't seem like a bad thing. And it's true that God has given us our sexual desires. Did you know that sexual desire is not a bad thing? The bad thing is the unbridled sexual desire. The bad thing is what happens, or the misdirected sexual desire. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I want to just tell you, as I've been prepping for this sermon, I've really been prayerful about young people. 18-year-olds. I have an 18-year-old son. I remember what it was like to be an 18-year-old. And so I, I, I think my first, my gut reaction for this sermon is this is a great sermon for 18-year-old boys, for 16-year-old boys, for 14-year-old boys, for 12-year-old boys. Do I need to keep going? But then recently I was talking to a great friend of mine, an 80-year-old man, and he said, oh, this is going to be a doozy, this sermon this week. I said, wait, do you still struggle with lust? He said, Absolutely. So whether you're an eight, and I was like, oh man, Lord, like this is never going to go away from me, right? That's, that was my initial reaction to that. But then I realized, no, it really is. This, is. this is sort of an equal opportunity sin. And here's what sin always does. Sin promises you more than it can ever deliver. That's what we learned. You know, we talked about pride, and pride was a shortcut. We learned a couple weeks ago, so it's a shortcut to self-worth. And self-worth is a good thing. God wants us to have good, positive self-worth, but pride is a shortcut that doesn't actually deliver. It doesn't actually get you there. And the same is true for lust. Lust is a shortcut to sexual fulfillment, but it doesn't actually get you there. And I want the 18-year-olds and the 80-year-olds to hear this. Lust is a shortcut to sexual fulfillment, and sexual fulfillment is a good thing. I want to make sure that you understand sexual fulfillment is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, there, so many, for so many years, I think in the Christian church, we've, we've taught, we've put out there that, that sex is bad. And maybe some non-believers, maybe you're a seeker today. Maybe you're someone who's just sort of dipping your toe in the water and you're thinking about coming to church. You're thinking about becoming a Christian. But you're like, but, but Christianity is sort of a killjoy faith. Like, it keeps me from having any kind of fun at all. I beg to differ. I want you to hear this, 18-year-olds and 80-year-olds, men and women, because this is for all of us. It's so important for us to understand. God wants us to enjoy life. 
God wants us to get the most out of life. In fact, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I want you to have a rich and satisfying life. That's what Jesus said. I want your life to be full of satisfaction. And that includes, I want you to hear this, everybody, that includes sexual satisfaction. God wants you to have that. Young people, God wants you to have that. My son, AJ, will be listening to this podcast later today. AJ, God wants you to have that, but don't take the shortcut. Maybe you've heard this before. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that is so true with the sin of lust. Lust is going to try to draw you into a relationship, into a temptation. It's going to try to draw you into something, and it's going to promise something that it will never deliver. I remember as a young, young boy, I don't think I've ever shared this before, but I remember as a maybe a 15-year-old, 16-year-old boy, I was a ba- what I did for money is I babysat, and I was babysitting a family, and the 10-year-old boy in that family said, hey, Brian, come check this out, and he, sh- he brought me up to his dad's room, reached under the bed, and pulled out Penthouse magazine. That's a, my first exposure to pornography as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old boy, and I remember how that felt when I first saw that, when I first saw pornography. I remember that pull, I remember the tug for that. And by the grace of God, he spared me from any kind of addiction to that. He spared me from from the tendrils of pornography just just sinking into my flesh, into my soul, and drawing me into that. But I know there are many, many people who didn't escape that temptation. And I know that if the stats are right, that there are many people in this room, boys, girls, men, women, young, old, who struggle, even today, struggle actively with a porn addiction. And I wanna just encourage you today, God can deliver you, God can rescue you. God wants to rescue you. God wants to deliver you from that sin. And for you young people who are not yet there, and and parents, you need to hear this. You need to talk to your kids about this if they're 11 or 10 or nine, like talk to them early and often about this. It's really important to go home and talk about this. Use the resources at PursueGod.org to have this conversation with your kids. Because guess what? Someone's talking to them about it. And if you don't, they're going to get all their information from their friends. Or they're going to get their information from the media or from social media or or from influencers. And we should get our information from God and from his word because his word can be trusted. And there's so much in here that can speak life to us. And we're gonna, we're gonna finish today, just be encouraged, we're gonna finish with some really practical advice for those of you who are struggling, and for those of you who aren't there yet, I want you to take this advice anyway, because it's really important, and I think it's important for us to understand the pathway to victory. But first, let's talk a little bit about this shortcut to sexual fulfillment. Graham Tomlin, author of the book, Seven Dead- Deadly Sins, he says this, with good sex, we aim first and foremost to give, and we end up receiving as well. With lust, the primary motive is to get, and although there may be some temporary relief, the end result is just more frustration. So I want you to hear this. God wants you to be fulfilled sexually. I want you to hear that. 
proof, there's so much proof for that in Scripture, and probably the best proof for that in Scripture is, the, is an entire book of the Bible, the book of Song of Songs. The book of Song of Songs is this love letter between a, between a fiancé and her husband-to-be. It's this beautiful book. We did, a, we did a series on this earlier this year, and it said stuff like this in chapter 5, verse 1, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. Like, this is in the Bible. God wants you to be fulfilled sexually. God, God is not a kill, he's not a cosmic killjoy trying to keep you from having fun. He wants you to be fulfilled, but he designed us, men and women, and he knows what fulfills us, and what fulfills us isn't some cheap fling. What fulfills us is a committed relationship where sex can be enjoyed. I remember AJ, when he was younger, 12, 13, and we would, I would take him to basketball practice, and I would say, hey, AJ, what, what topic do you want to talk about on the way young parents remember to disciple your kids? And so I said, pick a topic from Pursue God, and we'll talk about it on the way to basketball practice. And I remember the f- first time I asked him to do that at 13 years old, he picked a topic called, what is sex? And I remember getting in the car saying, oh, man, we got to have this conversation already. <laughs> What is sex? And I, I, I sat down and we got in the car, we started driving, I said, well, I, ask your mother. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know any other answer to that. No, we actually had that conversation. There's a great series on PursueGod.org in the kids section. Parents, go to this if you have grade school kids, and it's called The Birds and the Bees. And it's a series, literally it's a series where AJ, my son and I are in the studio talking, having that conversation about the birds and the bees. That's a great takeaway for parents with younger kids. And by the way, the way we did that is one Sunday, I came home, AJ was maybe 11 or 12 at the time, I said, AJ, get dressed, we're going into the studio to record a sermon series. He said, really? What are we gonna talk about? I said, I'll tell you when we get there. And I literally had him sitting on the stool on camera as I started to share the information with him. So the, the, the reactions that you see are real-time reactions to the questions, and it's pretty hilarious when you keep that in mind. So here he was, and so we talked about this. We'd done a series on this together, and still, as a 13-year-old, this is what he picked. He wanted to talk about sex. He wanted to know what it was, and you know why? It's because his friends were already talking about it. And I remember about three months later, we were again getting ready to take him to practice. I said, AJ, pick a topic that we can talk about in the car. This is just what we did. We would, we, I would disciple him in the car. It's one of the easiest ways to do it on our way to basketball practice. And, and he kind of looked at me sheepishly. I said, what's wrong? He said, can we do that topic again? What is sex? He wanted to talk about it again. And again, I told him, go talk to your mother. (laughs) No, I didn't. We had the conversation again. And guess what? This time, it was a whole different conversation because he had learned more information at this point. Parents, your kids need to talk about this. They need to understand a biblical perspective on this. And parents, I know that one of the reasons maybe that you don't want to talk about it is because of some of the shame in your own life about it. Well, I would just encourage you. We all have feet of clay. We're all sinners. We're all broken. Don't be afraid to admit where you've struggled in your life. I've done that with my son, and it's been helpful for him. And it's not just for your sons, it's for your daughters as well. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. and It'll cost you more than you want to pay. 
But God's design for it was always good. And so that's why in Song of Solomon, we see things like this, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. But we also see this warning, Solomon 8, 4, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. What a great scripture verse. Do not awaken love until the time is right. Young people, if you are not married, the time is not right. Do not awaken love. Don't go down those pathways that cause you to lust. A great example of the difference between lust and attraction is in 2 Samuel chapter 11 where it says late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. He looked out over the city. He noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath and he sent someone to find out who she was. He was told she is Bathsheba. And then David sent messengers to get her when she came to the palace. She slept with, he slept with her. The difference between, some people have said the difference between attraction and lust is five seconds. It's not a sin to be attracted to somebody. God gave us that. The sin is when you, when you continue to consider it, when you continue to think about it, when you continue, continue to go down that road and pursue that thing. That's why Solomon said, do not awaken love until the time is right. See, lust has a bigger impact than you think. The impact of lust on your life, and young people, just ask your parents if they're willing to talk about it, but we've all experienced this. It has a physical impact. It has an emotional impact. It has a relational impact. It has a spiritual impact. It impacts lust, just like every other sin, lust impacts every single part of you. That's why Jesus said this when he taught about it. He said, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But he says, I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus did this. He, he taught, he helped us get to the spirit of the law. He helped us get to the spirit of the rules, not just to the letter of the law or to the letter of the rules. And he said, look, lust is something that starts, like so many sins, it's a sin that starts in the heart. And he says, but this is, this is a problem, and it's such a big problem that here's what, here was his solution. He says, so if your eye, interesting he said I, so if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to sin, to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. Jesus was saying, it's a big enough deal that do anything you have to do to get rid of it, to conquer this sin in your life. He says it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, I want you to consider these two body parts for a second and how they might relate to lust. We know how your eye relates to lust. Some of you, might also know how your hand relates to lust. And Jesus says, if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Next week, I expect people to come in here maimed. <laughs> You're like, pastor, we were trying to be biblical here. Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. 
Jesus is using, he's using this kind of language. He does it in this whole section. He's using this kind of language in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters five and six. He does this because he's trying to get us to understand how big of a deal lust is and that we really should take it seriously. This is what really grieves me about our culture. We live in a culture where our, where our, our, our influencers, our TV shows, just make light of pornography. Uh, one of the things I hate is when I'm watching a show that I enjoy. I love the show King of Queens. I think it's just a funny show. Maybe that's dating me a little bit, but it's whatever. You know, don't judge me. I just love that show, but one of the things I really dislike about that show, there are a couple episodes where they make light of pornography. Like it's no big deal. Guys, pornography is a big deal. It will destroy you. Young people, 18-year-olds, 80-year-olds, don't let it destroy you. This is what Jesus is getting at. He says, do whatever you have to do to conquer the sin of lust in your life. And so today I wanna just give you some real practical takeaways so that you can conquer this in your life. And again, I don't want anyone to feel judged because we all deal with this I deal with it, and I'm sure you do as well. So I want to, uh, you know, I really want to look at this together as a community of faith where we're like, hey, let's hold each other. You heard Pastor Eric talk about these guys hold him accountable. Like we hold each other accountable as a pastoral team on this. Our leaders hold each other accountable on this. Let's be a church where we say, look, we're not going to be afraid to admit that we can struggle with this, and, but we're all willing we're all eager to conquer this as Jesus called us to. And here's the thing that you have to understand is that lust feeds on secrecy and it starves in transparency. So if you want to defeat lust, then you have to be transparent because lust feeds on secrecy and it starves in transparency. I'm so glad that I have a relationship with my 18-year-old son where we can talk about this. Man to man, we can talk about this. A friend of mine said it like this, he said, it is not, the goal is not to arrive at purity necessarily, because that is an elusive goal. He says, the, the goal is to pursue purity. You're always going to be pursuing purity. Young people, pursue purity, because I have an 80-year-old friend who's still pursuing purity. A lot of people think, well, there must be something wrong with me because I still have a struggle in this area. And I would say to that, no, you're just a human being. That's, what's, that's the problem. So the goal is to continue to pursue purity. This is what I tell my son. AJ, pursue purity along with me. I'm still pursuing purity. I'm almost 30, and I'm still pursuing <laughs> purity. So here's some steps. Some of you are like, why are we laughing at this? That looks right. Here are some steps. Step, five steps to victory over lust. Take notes on this. I encourage you in each of these areas. Number one. Confess it to God. The Bible teaches us to do this, to confess our sins to God. This is first and foremost a spiritual problem, and so you have to do the work on the spiritual realm. Go to God and confess it to God. If you've never been honest with anyone about your lust before, then it's going to be really hard to be honest with people in your life. Husbands, it'll be hard to be honest with your wives. Wives, it'll be hard to be honest with their husbands. Students, it'll be hard to be honest with your parents. So here's, here's a great tip. Confess it to God first. This is a great place to practice confession. 
Because guess what God, the Bible says over and over that God is faithful and just and he'll forgive you. He's gonna forgive you. He's gonna forgive you. He's gonna be gracious in his response to you, so confess it to God. And when you, when you can learn to confess it to God, when you can learn to say it to God, then you can, at some point then, you can be ready to do the second thing, which is to confess it to a confidant. A confidant is someone in your life that you know isn't gonna go blabbing about it, isn't gonna go telling all, all, everyone else about it, isn't gonna post it on social media. It's someone who's gonna listen to it and is gonna pray for you and is gonna encourage you to overcome it. A confidant is not someone who is going to encourage you to continue doing it. Don't just confess it to someone who has the, the problem worse than you do so you guys can just kind of enjoy it together. No, no. Confess it to someone who's going to say, I want to I wanna overcome it too. I want to help you overcome it. Confess it to someone who's going to be real and is going to be biblical about their response to it. That's who you confess it to. That's a biblical confidant. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, that's a word that speaks to transparency. If we're living in the light as God is in the light, look at what it says, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. I love that. I love what, he's, what John does there in that passage. He says, look, if we're being transparent in our relationship with God, if we can confess it to God and live in the light with God, what ends up happening is we can have fellowship with each other. Because what sin does, sin always isolates, and the sin of lust is one of the biggest ones to isolate. Sexual sin isolates maybe more than any other sin. So sexual sin isolates. This is what God is trying to accomplish with sin in your life. He's trying to isolate you from the people in your world who could help you. This is what happened with the very first sin. Adam and Eve sin. And the Bible says that, they, that then they wanted to separate from God and not have a relationship with God. And we saw that sin also then created a problem in their own relationship. Cain and Abel. Sin created destruction in their relationship. We'll talk about that some more when we talk about anger. So sin is always getting you to isolate. But again, look at what John says in 1 John 1, 7. When we live in the light as God is in the light, in other words, when we can learn to be vulnerable and transparent in our relationship with God, when we can learn to just say, God, here I am, warts and all, and I, I want you to know that this is what I'm struggling with. I need your help in this particular area. The Bible says that when we can do that, we live in the light, then what happens is the payoff, the benefit is we have fellowship with one another, that all of a sudden we can start lowering the masks with one another, and we can say, hey, I'm struggling with the sin of lust, and then we find out our confidant says, yes, yeah, so am I. Hey, let's, be, let's work on this together. Let's fight this together. Let's hold each other accountable to this thing. And I love that that's what it's saying in this passage. And by the way, I love what it says next in, in 1 John verses, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So confess it to God and then confess it to a confidant. Number three, Renew your mind every day. The battle against any sin is not only going to be won because you tried really hard in your own strength. Don't go out and just buy a self-help book on the thing because it's not just about self-help. It is about God and his ability to help you. It's about 
the Holy Spirit's role in your life, moving you to be obedient to him. The biggest thing I've said to AJ is what I've needed in my own life is, AJ, are you in the word every day? Are you reading the word every day? Are you opening this up and reading it? Are you, are you in prayer? Are you seeking God in prayer? Are you fasting? You know, we did a, a year ago, we did a spiritual discipline series. Go back and look at that because this, the series was called Breakthrough Disciplines. You want breakthrough in the area of lust in your life? Don't try to do it on your own. The more connected you are to, va- to the vine, Jesus is the vine, then the more you can have the fruit of righteousness, which is what God wants to see in your life. And, and that, so that's what you do, is you're renewing your mind every single day. Find some scripture verses that speak to you, that speak about purity, that speak about victory. Memorize those verses. Go to God, go to his word, and say, God, I want your word to flood my mind because the battle with lust is, a, is a, in large part a mental battle. So renew your mind every single day, and you do that with the spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the Bible and scripture memory. Number four, this should be obvious. Eliminate sources of temptation. Just get rid of them. I remember years ago, a friend here at, at this campus who had had a, had a pornography problem since he was 12 years old. His wife didn't find out about it till, till they were about 50. She had no idea. So it was obviously a shock to her when she found out that he still had the problem at 50 because he'd never confessed it to anyone. He was just really good at hiding it. And when he was found out, one of the things that he did was he got rid of the sources of temptation. And so much pornography is found online. And so, guys, he quit his job. He quit his job because he worked with computers in his job. He quit his job at 50 years old and and started a whole different career path so he wouldn't have to use a computer anymore. That's cutting off your hand. That's gouging out your eye. That's stopping at nothing to have victory over this. Eliminate the sources of temptation in your life. If that means you need to go with a flip phone for a while, do it. If that means you need to switch to a beeper, do it. Eliminate the sources of temptation. And number five, the last one, is retrain your response to triggers. So much of of every kind of sin is there's a a trigger in our life and maybe you need to spend a little time talking with a mentor or, or talk with a pastor about this. What's a trigger? What are, what are the things in my life that, that are triggers for me that get me going down this path that, where I act out on my lust? And what you need to do is recognize, name those triggers, recognize them, and then retrain your response to those triggers. Take a run instead of what you would normally do. Go work out instead of what you would normally do. Call, call your confidant, your friend, instead of what you would normally do. Retrain your response. Satan is using those triggers to get you to sin and you can retrain your response to those triggers. These are five really practical ways to overcome sin, the sin of lust in your life. And I just wanna encourage you, you can overcome this sin, and it's so deadly. But when we have victory over it, man, God does incredible things in our lives because of it. One of our pastors had a serious porn addiction and God delivered him from that addiction and now he's in ministry as a pastor. Guys, you men, women, 18-year-olds, 80-year-olds, you can have victory over this. God wants you to have victory over it for his glory and for your good. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would 
allow us today. This is a, it's a hard message. It's a hard topic. But God, I know, Lord Jesus, that you want to deliver people even now, even right now, from the sin of lust. God, I know there are some people in this room right now who where it's, it's been a generational sin in their family. And God, I know that, that there are some fathers in here who struggle with this and their sons struggle with it. God, I know there might be some mothers in here today who struggle with this and their daughters struggle with this. And I want to pray right now, Lord God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that you would begin to deliver families from the destructive, the deadly sin of lust. God, I pray that you would allow us to pursue purity. God, that as we seek your face, Jesus, as we seek your face, that we would find victory over the sin of lust. God, that we would have whole families, Lord God, marriages that are healed as a result. God, young people whose future marriages are saved as a result of this. God, I pray that you would start a movement even now at all of our campuses, God, where you would just by your Holy Spirit, you would move us to be uncommonly pure in a culture that is just drawing us into the sin of lust. And God, I pray again that it would be for your glory and it would be for our good. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.